How's everybody doing this morning? Hopefully you're doing well. Uh, uh, wakey, shaky, right? Time to get up and uh, get into our day. Yes, it is. Uh, yesterday we were in Second Corinthians, and I'm sorry, First Corinthians chapter 11, uh, and we are going to stay in chapter 11 today, and uh, it's a, a a bit of a more challenging passage. Um, reason I say that is because it gets into things that that uh, are debatable. Now, yesterday we talked about hair and head coverings, and what does this passage say? And now I did say that uh, to a certain measure, there were um, we have to be careful of not saying, "Well, that was the culture in that time." Because the problem that we can have when we say it was the culture of their time is then we 
open up a little bit of a, a doorway wherein people can say, well, uh, if that was the culture in their time, times are different today. And all of a sudden we can have a lot of different standards on things like sexuality would be an example. Uh, and so we have to be so careful of, of not just saying it was a cultural issue in that time. And, uh, but some things were, some things actually were a cultural issue in the day that may not have the same import and the same impact as today. Uh, there are, there were things that were unique among, uh, those who are Jewish, uh, that may not have, uh, import to Gentiles, to, to, uh, uh, non-Jewish people. Uh, and this, this area that we're in, in First Corinthians about head coverings and hair, uh, could be one of those areas where there culturally in the time was in fact, a stir about whether people should have their heads covered or not have their heads covered. Uh, in fact, th- there was even differences uh, developed uh, among the Jewish people around the first few centuries uh, or after the birth of Christ and, and different practices and different customs related to hair and head coverings. The thing that I really want us to take uh, out of First uh, Corinthians uh, 11 from verse 2 down through until verse 16 is the fact that God has created an order. That is the overarching larger principle that I think we need to to grasp hold of in relationship to this section of Scripture, that, that there is an order. And we want to resist the order. We want to push back against the order. Uh, and that is something... Uh, that is something that uh, has not changed, will not change, and yet when we look at it in society and culture, especially 1970s, the women's movement, uh, and uh, and sometimes in fairness to the women's movement, women were not regarded as they needed to be regarded. Sometimes in fairness to the women's movement, uh, men were uh, harsh and abusive, uh, but yet it went way too far to, you know, the women's liberation movement, uh, you know, the bra burnings and, and, and all that type of thing. I think of Maud back in, uh, was that the name of the show? Maud, I, Maud was the show. Uh, and, uh, you know, what women's rights are. But in the church, we need to understand and maintain an awareness of the fact that God has created an order, which we read about yesterday in this passage and I will read this section of pass uh, of scripture again uh, because well frankly uh, I forgot to push record yesterday and uh, so I at least want to highlight this this section so let me just read it to us then we're going to get into the next portion it says follow my example as I follow the example of Christ first question that comes out is how are we doing at setting an example for of Christ for other people to follow. Because I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the teachings just as I pass them on to you. And I mentioned that there's no greater joy for a spiritual uh, teacher, for a pastor, than to see people actually applying what is being taught week after week. Um, not just, oh, good sermon, pastor. That, that's meaningless, folks. That's meaningless. We What we want to see is life change. 
Um, now, I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. There's an order. Uh, God on top, followed by Christ, followed by man, followed by woman. Now, that doesn't mean that, that women are uh, to be pressed down. That doesn't mean that there's not value. It doesn't mean it isn't speaking about value here. There's equal value uh, of men and women. But in terms of an order of uh, the, the flow of decision-making uh, and, and the flow of responsibility, the man, frankly, has the greater responsibility uh, and uh, greater spiritual responsibility, greater overall responsibility. Um, and sometimes we fail at that. But Paul establishes a created order that is there that then supersedes everything else he's going to talk about in relationship to hair. Uh, we can have our hair right, but have our our, our order wrong. And uh, it is something that, um, that we need to look at. Uh, our, we can have our relationships wrong. Uh, I've seen women speak so abusively about, about husbands and so derogatorily about men now, I, I will also say sometimes, men, we are deserving of that because sometimes we don't hold up to things as we ought to hold up to things, and we don't lead spiritually as we ought to lead. Sometimes we are guilty. But that still doesn't give the, the right for women to uh, speak publicly, derogatorily about uh, about their men. On the other side of the equation, men, we need to make sure that uh, uh, that we are living the life, uh, setting the tone, setting the standards, setting the pace. I mean, all of those things are true. Um, and yet, in saying all this, there is also the, the, the realization and the reality that there is equal value. Uh, men are not more valuable than women. Women are not more valuable than men. Uh, you can go to the uh, Galatians passage that says there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female. We we all have that value in God's sight. But in terms of the flow of things, in terms of the structure, there is a structure. And we live in a time in uh, in our world, especially in American society, where we disdain structure, but God has given a structure that, that we need to lean into. Now, let me continue down through the passage, and I do note that there is a question that I will come back to here uh, in just a little bit. Uh, verse 4, he talks about every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. Every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is just as though her head were shaved. Now, um, you know, so we, we do see, and it would be appropriate for men to take off their hats when praying. Now, I did ask about the armicle yesterday, uh, and uh, that was a Jewish practice that did not come into play until about the 3rd century A.D., and the reason for that was was to acknowledge that we are not our own, we're not the top ourselves. There's There's a covering over us. There is an authority over us. The yarmulke is is to represent an acknowledgement of God's authority over man, and that's why oftentimes Jewish men will wear the yarmulke uh, to uh, just to signify the reality that, that they are not the top, that, that God is above them, and we are under God's covering, uh, and He is the ultimate authority. 
it does get into hair, and we have seen uh, years in points in time when you know churches would would look at men's the length of a man's hair, and if it's touching your collar, it's too long, or if it's touching your ears, it's too long, and a lot of legalistic stuff came out of this, and 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 much of it had to do with with the culture of the time. This is one of the times when when I will say that there were cultural things going on. Uh, in the Macedonian region or, or in that part of the world where, where much to do was made about hair. And even today, uh, in, as it says in verse five, it's just as though her head were shaved. I mean, scripture here seems to indicate a sense of dishonor in a woman shaving her head. Now, I'm not talking about cancer. I'm not talking about a situation like that. Uh, you know, and sometimes you will look at some women who have their their hair cut very very short, and they speak with great authority, and they're over their men, and they're the boss, and they're, uh, and that isn't always true. I mean, today hair is hair, and and you know we don't make as much of it, but in that day, uh, and in that culture, and it'd be like in some church cultures even. Um, if a woman doesn't keep her hair long, it's, it's a disgraceful type of thing. Now, I, I do believe we're beyond that now. I, I do believe that if a man has longer hair, and in most instances, especially in American culture, no big deal. If a woman has shorter hair in American culture, no big deal. And yet, the, behind that, the thing we have to look at and we have to ask the question of is, but what about an acknowledgement of the authority of Christ? What about an acknowledgement of the authority of God? What about an acknowledgement of, of the roles that God has given us? You can have longer hair or shorter hair or, or maybe not meet what we read in this passage culturally uh, and yet still be very, very much in line with understanding the, the, the God-ordained roles uh, that we have. Let me just continue on down. We, we did cover this yesterday. And this is a little bit of recap. It says, a man ought not to, verse 7, a man ought not to cover his head since he's the image and the glory of God, but a woman is the glory of man. And that's that's why it says that women should cover their head because they they're, they're, they represent man uh, in the created order of things. Now, there were days, uh, and I'm a little bit too young in my Christian faith to remember these days. I think it was maybe a larger thing, especially in the South. I live in the North in, in America where women would wear these great big hats. Uh, and, you know, the statement of the hat wasn't so much to cover the head as to say, hey, let me impress you with my hat. I mean, so, okay, woman's covering her head. She's wearing a hat to church. But what's the reason? The reason is to draw attention to the hat. Uh, and, and so that's where in some cultures, like the Mennonite culture, the Amish culture, there, there's are very plain coverings and very small coverings, so as not to draw attention to self. Some of you might be old enough to remember uh, situations where women would wear those big hats. And, 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 and I believe that that missed the mark also, because it wasn't to cover their head to, to, to uh, uh, give... Uh, deference to 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 men and men's roles as much as to draw attention to self dresses can be the same way the way we dress all all of that can be a part of that in fact today clothing has gone the opposite direction the more tattered your jeans can 
be uh, and, and, you know, the holes in your clothes and all that. Well, that also draws attention to self. And, and we don't want to draw attention to self. We want to draw attention to God. Let me just keep going here. Just a little bit of recap. Man did not come from woman. Woman came from man. And that is a created reality. Back in Genesis chapter 2, neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. We're actually created for each other to fulfill each other. But the reality of it is when you go back to first uh, to Genesis chapter 2, uh, man was made first, and he was alone. And God saw that man was alone, and so God created a woman for man to complement him. That's why we talk about complementarianism, to fulfill him, uh, to give him the companionship that he needed uh, of another like him. Could God have been that companion? Yes, but but God wanted man to have a companion like him. Now, uh, let me just, again, I'll finish this section. I keep saying that. For man did not come from woman. Woman for man, neither was man created for woman, but woman for man for this reason, because of the angels, the woman ought to have a sign of authority on her head. That sign of authority is giving deference, again, to understanding and, and giving credence to the God-given roles that... Uh, uh, giving credence to those God-given roles. Sorry, I sometimes stop and read the comments that are going on, and, and I it causes me to pause. Um, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. And this is a very good statement in verse 11. The fact is, we need each other. Uh, without men and women, there would be no babies. There would be no procreation. Uh, women understand things in a way that men don't understand things. And sometimes we under, sometimes we question what do men even understand? Sometimes uh, we, we can be, uh, I, I'm being a little abusive there of my own gender. Um, but, but men sometimes are said to be more logical. Women uh, said to have a greater emotive capability. I didn't want to say more emotional. Because that, that almost sounds negative, but a greater empathy, a greater emotive capacity. Uh, and But sometimes with some women, that rules them, and now they're operating out of emotions and not out of logic. Sometimes men are way too logical uh, and, and fail to understand the need of operating with, with an emotional capacity, with some uh, a measure of emotional intelligence. We need each other. We're, we're not independent from each other. Uh, we need for we need to understand our interdependence upon each other, as it tells us in verse eleven, verse twelve. First woman came from man. Also, man is born of woman. It's true, but everything comes from God. So, keeping God in His rightful place, and He says, "In their culture, judge for yourselves: Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not the very nature of things teach you that if man has long hair, it's a disgrace to him?" Now, again, there are some. Uh, legalistic groups that would point to that verse and go, ah, there you go. See, there is no long hair. But yet, there is, if you look even at Jewish people today, Jewish men, they, they some have very long hair. Uh, and, they, and even the thought that Jesus most likely had long, we don't have, didn't have barbers like we have today. Uh, didn't have that. Uh, now, Paul concludes this section and basically says to them, because 
again, of a cultural rift that was taking place uh, among the church there in Corinth. He says this, if anyone wants to be contentious about this, we have no other practice, nor do the churches of God. That was the practice. Now, the Lord's Supper is the next piece. Uh, and again, I would encourage you to Google or DuckDuckGo. Uh, if you don't want to use Google, use DuckDuckGo uh, and do a little research on this. Uh, this is one of the areas that, that this section that I just have worked through is a section that people do tend to kind of stay away from. Uh, because it, it is more challenging, it is more difficult, uh, and I just would encourage you to do a bit more research on this to, to see other implications, applications, uh, interpretations, and understandings of this. Now, before I get into the part on the Lord's Supper, the question is asked in the comment section here, uh, the question is asked, uh, I'm naive, I do not know why the Jews are so hated by some Um you know, maybe I should reserve uh, a full comment on that for uh, another day and maybe come back and look at that on Monday. And the reason I say that is uh, it, it's worthy of an entire episode. Uh, but let me just give this little skinny snippet to it. There are spiritual reasons. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. That That is a reason why the Jews are so hated, because it's satanic in origin, uh, because Satan does not want the Jews to succeed, because if they succeed, the Messiah comes forth, uh, and all things are fulfilled as they are prophesied. So Genesis 3.15, the hatred, the enmity between uh, between man and between the serpent, between uh, God and the devil, Genesis 3.15, it, it, it's spiritual in nature. It is not only merely a uh, regional thing. It is a spiritual thing that goes back to the, to the very creation. Uh, it goes that far back. Then you can point back to uh, the time of uh, Abraham and Ishmael. Uh, if you remember when... Uh, Sarah said to Abraham, look, I'm not bearing good children. Here's a beautiful maid of ours. Why don't you bed down with her and have children through her, and that will be your line. And so, you know, as as a man, uh, he looked at Hagar and went, mm, yeah, okay, sure, I'll do that. Uh, and Ishmael was the result of his relationship with Hagar. So some would point back that far in the division between Isaac and Ishmael, well, then you can also talk about the division between Jacob and Esau, uh, and, and it can go back that far. These are, I mean, these are, you know, four or five thousand, probably four thousand year old, four to five thousand year old disputes that have taken place, and uh, um, I'll talk more about that. But but that is a part of it. Part of it's spiritual. Part of it has to do with family lines and inheritances and things of that nature. Uh, and uh, But then there, there are the land disputes that take place. So I'll come back. I'll try to remember on Monday that that will be our focus on Monday. But that's the skinny to it. And uh, why American citizens? Let me just mention this. 
why American citizens so wrapped up and you see the pro Hamas and pro Palestine and so on. It's spiritual friends. It is spiritually rooted in nature. Satan is stirring that. And if you look at so much of what's happening in American culture, so much of it just simply does not make sense. It's satanic in origin. Uh, I, I will, I, I will just, I'll leave it at that. Monday we'll come back and uh, I will try to have a, a full episode on that very question. So Fran, thank you for the question. Let me uh, press us down a little bit further into this next section, the Lord's Supper. And following the directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. I mean, when the when the church comes together and their meetings do more harm than good, sometimes that is what happens when, when the believers come together. They, they come together and there's contentiousness and there's lack of love and lack of consideration and there is gossip and there's slander and there's all these different things that take place. So the meetings do more harm than good. Uh, let me put the text up so you can see it. It says in the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. I mean, he's been dealing with divisions all throughout this, this letter. And he does believe that there are divisions, divisions on all kinds of things. There can be divisions over uh, carpet color. There can be divisions over coffee or no coffee. There can be divisions over what on time means. Uh, there can be divisions over types of music. You probably didn't know that. That's probably one that you weren't aware of. Uh, there can be divisions over how people should dress. There can be divisions over how aspects of ministry should be managed. There, there can be all kinds of divisions that take place. And, and, and it's true. Uh, our opinion oftentimes supersedes our spirituality and, and, and supersedes our humility. And now our opinion is the most important thing. So he's talking about the divisions that are taking place. And, and uh, some of the divisions had to do with hair. Some of the divisions had to do with, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, who they followed after. Some of the division had to do with how they would deal with a, an errant brother, First Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, some of the divisions had to do with that they were taking each other to court. Some of the divisions had to do over things like sex and marriage, like we looked at in First Corinthians chapter 7. Um, and uh, now we're, he gets into another area over the Lord's table. So let's let's press into this. I might go just a little bit long this morning. Uh Said in the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. In some extent, I believe it. That's verse eighteen, verse nineteen. I doubt there have, I doubt there have to be different. No doubt, I'm sorry, no doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. What a statement that is! It says when you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you eat, for as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. Uh, one remains hungry, another gets drunk. Now, why does he say they get drunk? Because they used wine for the Lord's Supper. Uh, and that's why he mentions drunkenness for people who say, well, you know, they didn't have wine in that day. It wasn't, well, then why does Paul talk about here in verse 21? Another gets drunk. So they, they would have food, they would have drink, and, and what should have been their practice uh, of waiting for each other and, and celebrating the Lord's Supper together, they would just grab big, big hunks of bread and eat it and drink all the wine. It comes time to think about the Lord's Supper and and it's all gone. Or some people are full and other people are getting crumbs. And 
And Paul's saying we need to wait on each other uh, and take this together. And he says uh, in verse 22, don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, the night he was betrayed, took bread. When I had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after, after, he, uh, after supper, he took the cup. And again, it was after supper he took the cup. This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. It's wine. Um, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. If anyone eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you fall asleep. And that phrase, fall asleep, means death. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned by the world. So that, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. Give deference to each other. Show humility to one another. Those are my words. It says, if anyone is hungry, you should eat at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. When I come, I will give further directions. Now, you know, that very last phrase, when I come, I'll give further directions. Uh, I mean, what's the application that Paul isn't going to show up at our church or Paul isn't going to show up at your small group or Paul's not going to show up at your home uh, and, and give further directions. I mean, that that line is an indicator that there are things that were intended for that particular point in time and don't have relevancy today. Like when I come, I will give further directions. However, he is giving giving us insight into orderliness and how we take the Lord's Supper. And, and, and again, it just comes down to respect for one another, deference for one another, showing humility toward one another, putting others first ahead of ourselves. I mean, this is what this really boils down to. And I'll probably come back again to 1 Corinthians 11 and this section on the Lord's Supper because there's more that could be said. But he's talking about orderliness and worship. Don't, don't let the way you dress uh, affect your worship. Don't uh, allow your hair or your hat to affect worship. Don't uh, don't allow the way that you uh, eat or drink or approach the Lord's table affect your worship. In all of this, show deference to God's created order. Show uh, responsiveness to God's created order. Show humility toward one another uh, in, in, in all things come together and, and acknowledge Christ as head, Christ as Lord, and all the playing field made level underneath him. Well, friends, that's the end of uh, our broadcast this morning. Uh, I am out of time. I've gone maybe a few minutes longer than I normally would go. Uh, we'll come back and look at this again Perhaps on Tuesday, uh, Monday, I will give myself to this idea of um, 
Israel and why it is so hated. Meantime, friends, I want to uh, wish you a, a fantastic weekend as you get into your weekend, as you finish up your, your week today on Friday, but have a fantastic weekend. Keep walking with Jesus. See you later.